Choice Movies, the world's only movie podcast. Uh, I am one of your hosts. I'm Chris Chafin. Caleb Shively, host here. It really, you, you said that with that real, like, reporting for duty energy. Oh, yeah, I have big duty energy. <laughs> yeah, that's 100% true. <laughs> as soon as you walk into the room, everybody's like, that guy's got big duty. Man, what's that stank? That's some duty stank some energy. big duty. Uh, so this week, it's our duty to tell you about two films right. just like on every episode of actually best choice movies the world's only movie podcast we tell you about two good movies one of them is brand new and one of them's older and they are connected in some way uh like the invisible networks of mycelia that connect all living matter according to star trek discovery sure or they're connected in a way that's obvious like the same director or in this case the word marriage? The word marriage, exactly. That's the main connection. So this time we're doing a marriage story from this year, Noah Baumbach. And we're also doing scenes from a marriage, which is from 1973, directed by Ingmar Bergman. Ingmar Bergman, right? I knew that. I just couldn't place it for a second. Uh, Um, You like to have me talk, so I stay interested and involved in the podcast. I'm just trying to keep you interested, exactly. Much like in a marriage. (laughs) Um, So that's all this week on Actually Best Choice Movies. Uh, but before we get to any of that, uh, what have you been watching this week, dog? Pow, pow, pow. A lot of crap, a lot of nice things. I went to the theater a, a lot bunch. of crap and a lot of nice things? Yeah. Well, some oh, crap. Wow. Well, it's uh, all in the yin-yang. It's like a movie can be crappy and bad. It's all in the yang-gang. Yeah, uh, exactly. A movie that I saw in theaters that I didn't like but I appreciated was the artist Shia LaBeouf who wrote Ooh. the movie Honey Boy and acts in the movie Honey Boy about his life and how he was on Even Stevens and his dad was abusive. What's your mother got a job for? Just in case. In case what? I don't In case know. you fail. In case it don't no. work out. Yes, man. She's filling your head full of fear. I pump you full of strength. Alma Al-Harel is... Uh, Harrell is the director who does a pretty good job with a pretty lackluster script. That's my biggest problem with this movie is the script. Well, it was written by Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like an unconventional story, uh, but it's so like easy and watered down and uh, raw nerves to like amp it up. Uh, yeah, just a very weak screenplay. Uh, but what he's, I, what he's I, in it also. Yeah, he, he plays, plays his dad. He plays his dad. I, I yeah. always say uh, good acting carries a movie, and this is pretty well acted. Uh, LaBeouf's pretty good in it. LeBeau? LaBeouf? Um, uh, LaBeouf. Well, the Beef. Yeah, he's pretty good. I would say he stars in it, which is weird. He got a supporting actor nomination at Spirit Awards. Uh, but as did the uh, other star of it, uh, Noah Joupe, who uh, is the young Shia LaBeouf. I think his name is Otis. I believe his name is Otis' this movie. He's very good in this movie. If this podcast exists for one thing, it exists for me to be a big Lucas Hedges fan. Oh. And Lucas Hedges is in this movie as well. Lucas Hedges, wow. You were outstanding in this movie. <laughs> he has that dirtbag energy that he's been doing pretty good at, which he kind of has in Waves-ish. So um, yeah, Lucas Hedges, have a nice little uh, end of year. And also, uh, their uh, chicken features prominently in the poster for Honey Boy and in the plot. <laughs> is it true? Yeah, it's what? true. What do you mean, chicken? Uh, really, they, uh, I think it's in one of the letters, like in the O. Instead of like an O, it's a silhouette of a chicken. I think. Does that is that an important part of the movie? Not really, but they uh, he lives at a motel and there's a chicken there. Is basically what it boils down to. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, um, so how is Shia? How is Shia at playing an abusive version of his own dad? Dude, that working seems out- like very. Like a very serious actor thing to do. It is. Uh, his dad is in real life was a former rodeo clown, so there is some like showmanship aspect to it. Uh, he does a lot of fast talking. Uh, yeah, he's a very hateful character. I'm sorry, Shia LaBeouf's dad was a former rodeo clown. Yeah. Oh, that's where the chicken comes in. He does tricks with the chicken. <laughs> and this is all true stuff. This yeah. is the true stuff. That's very weird. That's very weird. I mean. Look, as somebody who just had a kid, like that's a very good example of bettering yourself through your children. Like sure. to go from rodeo clown to Shia LaBeouf in one generation mm-hmm. is like pretty great. That's the Amer I mean, quite frankly, that is the American dream. Uh it had that vibe of very much as it was set in a motel, very much a post uh Florida project movie. Mm. Uh but again, because like a like a sad movie in a hotel. Oh yeah, a sad movie in a hotel. Um another movie I saw that 
I was surprised how much I liked by the end of it. Uh, as a big fan, as we all are, of the movie The Shining, I wanted to see the sequel to they made to The Shining because nothing is sacred anymore and I we can make a sequel believe, to The Shining. I cannot believe they made a sequel to The Shining. Um, so the, it is based off of the book, which came out in like 2013, I believe. Yeah, that's uh, also Doctor wrong. Sleep. Yeah. Uh, and it is actually more concentrated on The Shining, which is what Stephen King actually wants. The actual uh, talent of The Shining where they right. actually... There's, they show a whole network of people, and that's kind of interesting. Uh, but that movie, cat, the original sh- The Shining, which is, again, probably the best movie ever in history, <laughs> uh, cast a huge shadow, uh, and this movie is very much in that shadow and very much aware that it's indebted to a much better movie, that at the end, it just you're finally at the over like comes to the Overlook Hotel and it just like gives you so much fan service and you're like oh my god it's just like a nod like hmm yes this is what but I wait, like wait didn't you yes. start off by saying you enjoyed this movie isn't that what you said yeah I like The Shining and they just do some <laughs> fan service stuff for me it was, was it, nice it almost sounds to me like a, mo- a movie that also stars you and McGregor which is uh, Winnie the Pooh tra- Train Spotting 2 oh I didn't see that actually it's almost exactly the same thing it's just kind of like a bunch of 45 year old friends that wanted to hang out together and be like hey remember when we, we used to be weirdos Weird. Um, I do like Train Spotting it's just v- kind of a hangout movie it doesn't really do any- it doesn't do anything or go anywhere um, but that Doctor Sleep like has some s- plot like some, yeah. is it was it scary no uh, it's more action-paced. Uh, one of my favorite character actors is in Robert Longstreet. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson's really good in this movie, actually. You might recognize her from the last two M.I. movies? Mission Impossible <laughs> movies. I was like, M.I. I, I couldn't think of what they were called. His Fallout. mouth was going so big. Like, you had something really important to say. I was about to say M.I. Possible, but it's like, <laughs> no, the I stands for impossible. <laughs> That's pretty good, though. M.I. Possible. It's pretty good, actually. I like that a lot. <laughs> The Tom Cruise movies. Um, but yeah, she's good in this movie. She wears a hat the entire time. <laughs> Why? Because it's an affectation. It's oh my God. I mean, that's actually pretty cool. I like yeah. that. Um, it's so into The Shining that they recreate scenes from it. And there's a, See, this is a just, non-Jack this Nicholson, so... Jack Nicholson in this movie. Just why? 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 Because nothing is sacred anymore and you might as well take down The Shining. <laughs> Supposedly it did. Citizen Kane is next, probably. So the reason they did it, obviously, I guess, is for money, right? Yeah. But um, so it was supposedly it was a big flop. It didn't make any yeah. money. It was actually a big deal. It like, is it was not a big as flop. bad as this flop reputation is going to be. If you like The Shining and want to be entertained, like go for it. Would you uh, say like an airplane movie? This is an definitely. airplane movie. Um, and it's not scary at all. Uh, and it's directed by Mike Flanagan, who uh, is a big Stephen King guy. He directed uh, Gerald's Game on Netflix, which is mm. really good. And he directed The House on Hennedy. Haunted Hill on Netflix, which is uh, pretty good. He's a good director. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, I don't don't I don't think I'm gonna see it, but yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. maybe on an airplane. Yeah. Maybe on uh, an airplane. I mean, it's indebted to The Shining. It, if you like The Shining, I don't know. That's why I keep saying to myself. <laughs> yeah. Because right. I'm just, I was surprised I I liked it at the end. <laughs> now we got dried peaches, dried apricots, dried raisins, and dried prunes. You know, Mrs. Turns, you gotta keep regular if you want to be happy. <laughs> and then I needed time to kill and was bored on in a, on the on the morn on the morn. Uh, so looking for something light, I watched the studio comedy uh, "Isn't It Romantic," the Rebel Wilson yes, vehicle. Yes, yes, yes. How was that movie? Uh, I would at most give it a C, a passing grade, though. Uh, it seems like they kind of. Can I just without? I want you to talk about it, but I want to say my guess of what it's like. Is like uh, the beginning part where it's not supernatural is like fine and a little funny, and then the first like fifteen or twenty minutes of it after the the thing starts is kind of fun, and then it completely runs out of steam and it gets caught up trying to resolve the the plot, which doesn't really make any sense, and then uh, it ends. Uh, That's my prediction. The plot does make sense, but other than that, you're 100 percent accurate. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it is kind of a coherent movie. Uh, the funniest joke in it is when she realizes that she says, I'm in a romantic comedy and it's rated PG 13 cause she can't swear. Oh, that yeah. one got a lot of like kind of like a good place joke, right? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is romantic's not that bad, but I hate it. Everyone, but rebel Wilson. in it. <laughs> uh, there was like some cameos I really liked. Uh, I think a guy we talked about in the podcast for, uh, who's on the good place, Brandon Scott, Jacob, uh, Jones, excuse me. Uh, is in that movie, he plays the gay best friend, and they do a pretty good subversion of that trope. Uh, Bowen Yang pops up in it. Oh, San- Sandy cool. Honig yeah. pops up in it. Bowen Yang seems like exactly the person that would be in this movie. Sure, sure, sure. Um, but it's a movie where uh, the premise is kind of funny. Uh, the premise is 
she's in romantic comedy. She clearly states how much she hates romantic comedies, gets hit in the head, and then she's in a romantic comedy. Uh, but no, we that like- type of cynicism uh, that she has for it uh, is part of the plot. Like, uh, she's just calling it out the whole time. Or, like, I think a good comedy that's cynical, like maybe Pop Star or Airplane, like, it's a removed from the plot where it's just, like, can yes. call out. Yes, I agree. Where it's just, like, we're so much in tune with it that it's just kind of stupid. This and is they're the problem with comedies. Yeah. When they have comedies have, like, really intricate plots, they get caught up in the plot, and then it stops being funny. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, you know, I don't know. Like, it, it, you're completely right. You shouldn't, that shouldn't happen. Like, I think of, like, you know, Billy Madison. Like, there's a movie that has a plot, but it, it never sidetracks it from being a comedy. Yeah. I don't know if you like Billy Madison. I like Billy Madison. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how could you not like Billy Madison? Uh, one of the better uh, villains, underrated villains, is Bradley Whitford and Billy Madison. Well, maybe if you told me there were delicious Triscuit crackers, I could have enjoyed them with you. I'm sorry. Well, sorry doesn't put the Triscuit crackers in my stomach, now does it, Carl? Uh, but yeah, what did you see this week? Well, you know, I watched a few things, uh, and, but the one thing I want to talk about first is something I watched, I think, last time, but forgot about, and that's the new film, Greener Grass. So I don't know if you guys have heard this of this movie, Greener Grass. It's like a comedy. It's kind of a surreal comedy that stars a lot of current, cool comedy comedians. People. Yeah, exactly. Forget uh, their names. Jocelyn though. DeBoer and Daniel Lube. That is exactly right. Jocelyn DeBoer and Daniel Lube. Lubby. I forget how to say her name, yeah. Yeah, so they both wrote, directed, and starred in this movie jointly. And um, they're really great. I mean, it's basically set in... It's kind of like... Uh, it has like a but I'm a cheerleader energy mixed with some David Lynch and some John Waters and also just some like current day like... LA uh, alternative comedy. It's basically like these people who live in this subdivision, which may or may not be some kind of like supernatural area that's disconnected from the rest of the world. Um, They all drive golf carts. They all wear like bright pastel colors all the time. All the adults have braces. Like they were on comedy bang, bang, Jocelyn and the writers and directors. And they were saying like, yeah, you know, we it was we did the shoot really quick. They they did it in 19 days. Wow! And it was 16 locations, which they did in 19 days. And she said they didn't have like stand-ins or anything. They did it like so quickly and so cheaply. She was like, yeah, we spent the entire budget on adult braces. Like that was, you know. <laughs> they did get a uh, independent spirit nom for because they do independent spirit does first time, so they got a first time screenplay nomination. I mean, it's really good. Yeah. It's um, it has a bunch of it has a very weird energy. Like it's not like a oh, comedy traditionally. Julian, are you a dog now? It's him. Like the main, the inciting incident in the movie is the two leads are sitting next to each other on bleachers at a like youth soccer game. And one of them says to the other like, oh my God, I love your baby so much. She's so cute. And the other one says, oh my God, do you want her? You should totally take her. And the other one's like, um, I mean, I couldn't. And she's like, no, please. It would make me so happy. She's yours now. And like that happens in the first like five minutes of the movie. <laughs> and then there's this runner I was telling Caleb the other day where uh, Beck Britton is in the Beck movie. Bennett. Beck Bennett. Big Sorry. Beck Bennett fan. Beck Bennett's in the movie. And his running joke is that he only drinks water out of his pool. Like every time you see him, he's eating pool water in a new way. Like he makes popsicles out of pool water. And he like, they have a big, he has a big fight with his wife at one point and storms out and he comes back with two empty water jugs. And he's like, I'm only here to get some water. And he just walks to the pool and just dunks them in the pool. Uh, Beck is uh, maybe uh, defines that weird energy comedy these days. I love <laughs> Beck so Bennett. Good. I'm so always good. looking for a vehicle that uh, can carry that dude's weirdness. Um, I also watched a movie whose title I'm going to mangle, Caleb. I ooh, Mangala. Joseph Mangala. Um, Mangala. It's, it's like Uncle Bonji. Uncle Bonji who, who, uh, who couldn't recall his past lives. Uh, Uncle Bonji. Uh, bon yes, say exactly. the director's name. I'm going to forget. Touch your pong. Um, it's a great movie. Can I just say, before I say this, like, you set a trap for me of pronouncing like a 30 letter long yeah, Thai it, person's name. It's like you, Tushia you were Pong. Like, you're like, wait, what's the name? Say it for me again. Yeah. It's, so I'm going to do such a I'll, bad let job. Let me see it. I could wait, make... I want to try okay. it first. Because <laughs> I, have, I have been to Thailand, not to brag. Um... <laughs> Achi, Appy Chat Pong, Weir Set Thakul. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to have a look? Appa Chat Pong, Weir Set Thakul. Yeah, I'm not going to. Yeah, it's pretty fucking hard. Yeah, but Uncle Boon Me, who, who can recall his past lives. Fucking amazing it's movie. It's on Criterion right yeah. now. 
Um, I also fell asleep in that movie like several times. <laughs> but it has a kind of dream logic. Oh, where it's I very don't, dreamy. I don't yeah. think it hurts the movie for you to fall asleep and wake it's up. It's almost uh, adult, real-life Miyazaki in a way, too. Uh, it just has a lot of like like spirits come out of the forest yeah. and creatures. Uh, you know, It looks really cool, yeah. The opening like five minutes of the movie is a cow escaping and running into a forest and then someone going to get the cow, and then it just cuts to something different, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I, I was like, what the fuck is going on? I haven't on? seen this in so long. Uh it's the first Thai movie to win the Palm Door. Yeah, Cannes. I remember when Palm Door. It was Dor. from 2010, I think, is when that happened. Yeah, um, that tracks. Yeah, and it was, you know, it was very interesting and, you know, dreamlike. And I, I, I don't know. I, I fell asleep. I fell asleep in it. But I was glad <laughs> to have watched the parts of it that I watched, if you know what I mean. Uh, okay, well, that's enough of that bullshit. <laughs> Uh, the first movie that we're going to talk about this week is a new movie from this year, 2019, written and directed by Noah Baumbach. It's called Marriage Story. She's brave. He's brilliant. She's He's very brave. competitive. So I'll tell Charlie what's happening, and Cassie, you then hand him the envelope. I just get nervous. Can you unserve? What do you mean? Like, take it back? Charlie and I are getting a divorce, Mom. You can't be friends with him anymore. Dream Charlie Bird. <laughs> Mom. <laughs> Mom. What? Marriage Story, the new movie, like I said, from writer-director Noah Baumbach, is the story of a grueling bi-coastal divorce between a famous director and a more famous but less respectable actress. Um, from the trailer, which is really intriguing, and I saw it a lot, I mean, it, there was this situation over this fall in New York City where if you went to a see a good movie you're going to see like 80% trailers starring Adam Driver. Oh, yeah. And part of the reason for that was that they showed Marriage Story trailer as two trailers, and they showed it at like not back-to-back sometimes. Sometimes they would show like one and then show the next one two trailers later. Um, so the way the, tra- the trailer makes it seem like the movie's going to be like a uniquely even-handed divorce movie where it's about two, you know, very intelligent people and who love each other, and they've, you know, unfortunately gotten somehow into a divorce, right? Um but I would say, in truth, the story is pretty heavily tilted towards Adam Driver's side of the story. Not like 100%, but like pretty heavily. Um, I mean, he's literally declared a genius <laughs> very early in the movie. And then the subject of his genius is brought up many times. Uh, he And then he has to suffer the indignities of leaving his cozy and successful life in New York City for bland and crass Los Angeles, where his wife has run off to with their son. And then he's also being like gaslit by his wife's divorce lawyer, who keeps claiming that they've always lived in Los Angeles, even though they've demonstrably been living in New York City for over a decade, as we see in many framed magazine articles. This movie has a lot of framed articles about the characters in the movie, which like almost as much as like a cop movie when it's like cop stops robbery. Um, if this all seems a little one-sided and score subtly, the reason is that, in fact, it's a thinly-veiled retelling of Baumbach's own divorce from the actress Jennifer Jason Lee, which took nearly three full years to finalize. Um, he claims that she loves the movie. Uh, Caleb, uh, <laughs> do you, like Jennifer Jason Lee, love this movie? Uh, yes, uh, I love this movie. Uh, I am a big Noah Baumbach fan. I think we've talked about Meyerowitz stories before, and uh, Francis Ha is a defining movie of recent times anyway this is i think his best movie i don't know if i'm going on a limb for that but i really think it was his best movie and i was shocked how easily and quickly i agreed with myself with that <laughs> um but i would say uh to boil this down movie this is a movie that shows how divorce makes uh the personal feelings in a relationship into a, a legal kind of play-by-play and how the system is designed the divorce system is designed to make people hate each other. Uh, it's all like uh, a, a kind of a mechanical movie. And it's also very funny and it has a very much of a screwball energy. Like it has like a throwback energy to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's interesting. You for a movie about like this big emotional subject like divorce, it's very like light on its feet. Because there are moments of the movie that are like very serious and moving and art- very artistic. And, uh, you know, I, I love, right? And then there, when, which are kind of, that's kind of the vibe you're getting from the trailer. And then there's moments of it that are kind of like a 90s, like sex comedy or something. Like I kept thinking of Flirting with Disaster, that sure. Ben Stiller movie. Maybe like, like an early, uh, late 80s Woody Allen movie too. Yeah. 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 Like that kind of a thing. But it's like it has some very broad comedic moments. Oh, yeah. 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 You know? Um, which is like I wasn't expecting going in and they kept they kept kind of like coming up and then there would be like 30 straight minutes of the movie that were like 
you know, this kind of energy of like a, a screwball comedy played kind of seriously, but not a hundred percent seriously. Yeah. Uh, like especially yeah. the first scene with like Laura Dern has like a fantastic role in this movie mm-hmm. as the divorce both lawyer. Both all the attorneys. Yeah. Yeah. And then Alan Alda is an attorney and also Ray Liotta. Uh, Ray Liotta all bringing different energies. Shit. Yeah. They're all completely different. Um, the, the first scene with Laura Dern, I thought was like very far on the like, divorce comedy sure. scale, you know, because she's being this very phony, she's being very phonally nice, you know, in a like very over the top very way. Very She's like yeah. offering stuff in the office for her. Yeah. Um, and like sucking up to, because the thing is Scarlett Johansson, its character is supposed to have been like a teen actress who's now like a respectable actress. And so she keeps sucking up to her and saying like, oh my God, I just have to say I love all your work. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, the, uh, a great scene is the, uh, that's very funny, but in retrospect, it's like, oh, it's, not that funny if that really happened to somebody. Uh, the initial serving of the divorce papers to Charlie, oh, yes. where uh, she doesn't want to give it to him uh, with uh, the son in the room. So it's like kind of just like kind of like waiting for her to give it to him. But like they're like trying to distract him. But then he just notices it at the end and picks it up. <laughs> oh, what's this? Yeah, and it's like her sister. Yeah, Merritt Weaver, yeah. yeah well, she... the casting of this movie is also a very fun casting. Oh, everyone's fantastic. I think we talked about it a little bit when I said I watched it, uh, like Robert Smigel's in this movie. Yeah, Robert Smigel is in like the first scene. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rich Fulcher plays a judge. I love Rich Fulcher. Oh my Fulcher. God, I love Rich. I couldn't believe when yeah, no. he showed up as a judge. I, I was so I had excited. To stop myself from saying Fulcher out loud because <laughs> I was so excited. Um, it's on the first season of The Mighty Boosh. Very good in that. Uh, Snuffbox, everybody. Watch Snuffbox. In fact, I like you so much, I don't think we should even kiss. <laughs> Until we get married, which should be tonight. We could check into a youth hostel, because I don't have any money. I lost it all in the darts game. And we could make wild, passionate love. Blindfolded, of course, because I have full-blown shingles growing up my ass. And then I could quit my job. And then I could steal a pig and kill it with a stick. And you could cook it. I don't know if you cook or not. That's optional. Martha Kelly from uh, Baskets is... uh, Very, very funny in this movie. She brings her specific energy to a very funny scene where uh, Adam Driver is trying to uh, show he's a capable parent, it, which ends with him cutting himself. <laughs> ends with him slicing his arm open and collapsing on like the ground. Like a true artist. Uh, oh, and then uh, comedy MVP since the 70s, Julie Haggerty's in this movie as well. Plays the mom. So I never thought, you know, a lot of movies and TV shows have this construct where like, obviously they're written by successful people in the entertainment industry, but they want to kind of like make some kind of a nod to it being like something anybody can relate to, even though they're basically writing about their own lives, which I always think is why everybody in every movie is like an architect or they work in advertising because it's like a job where you make a lot of money and you're creative, but you know. Also, it's just like a, a normal person job, but this movie is like very heavy on the like we work in entertainment specifics, mm-hmm. like extremely, extremely specific, um, like to the point that it, 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 I, it almost made me miss that other thing because I it just was a little like distracting. And especially knowing that it's really about Noah Baumbach, it just was like very much like sure. here is his story of his divorce, you know, uh, who went through it on the other side, as we saw in the other autobiographical film he did, sure. Squid and the Whale, yeah. uh, about his parents getting divorced. And now this is him going through it and how much, yeah, he attacks the system and he uh, he does put, he puts some blame on himself. Like he paints Charlie as a selfish person t- as well. Um, but there is uh, other, uh, speaking of the specifics of uh, the analogy between J- Jennifer Jason Lee and Charlie and Nicole's relationship, uh, the teen sex comedy thing I thought was funny because uh, she was in uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> um, and, and also... It- uh, it kind of painted her as a person who was just like wants to be in like bigger movies and ho- she's too amb- has these Hollywood ambitions, uh, which yeah, Jennifer Jason Leigh wants those. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> she's a v- very good actress, b- bankable movie star. I mean, so of course I went like forensically through Jennifer oh, Jason no. Leigh's IMDb after watching this movie. So the divorce went from 2010 to 2013. The plot of the movie basically is Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson meet and Scarlett Johansson's kind of on the downslope and then she stars in a bunch of his artist his art plays and then b- gradually becomes a more respected actress and then is in the position to do some like dumb commercial shit and cash in right so that's like kind of the broad outlines of it so what are the real life parallels <laughs> um, so the art plays would be Margot at the wedding and Greenberg uh, although to be fair also at that time he, she did uh, Schenectady, New York. Uh, so those are like her like artistic building, her cred things. And oh, then she Bombac started... Noah Bombach movies and Noah uh, Bombach movies. Charlie Kaufman movie. 
Great and then she started being on Weeds in 2009, which she was I on until 2012, that. supposedly. Every Showtime show sucks after the third season. So I guess that's what the show is, because the construction in the movie is like, she moves she out on to Los Angeles. On ABC, too, but I, I might be wrong. She, yeah, she was on the um, fairy tale show there, I think. I don't know the name of the show. But then that was later on. Yeah. Then 2013, sorry, then 2013 to 2014, she does like absolutely nothing, like absolute garbage, with the exception of she's in Welcome to Me, which is like a pretty good movie. Yeah, I like Welcome to Me. Um, she's not big in that role. In that but movie, then in yeah. 2015, she was in both uh, Anomalisa. Anomalisa, love Anomalisa, it. Another Charlie Kaufman. And Hateful Eight, obviously. She got yeah. an Oscar nomination. Um, so like that was, you know, how it interfaces with real life. Although this is another thing I want to say just like at the top, quote unquote, although we've been talking for a while, like... Um, as a film, it, it's hard to talk about this film and not to gossip about the things the p- characters in the movie do, you know, because it's so much about their relationship and the two of them arguing with each other. And I wouldn't say as a, as like a film, it's like it's you know the it's not going to wow you with the cinematography or something. The strength of it is the um, the acting and how much you feel invested in the lives of these people. And so then whenever I find myself talking or thinking about the movie, I'm, it's as if they're two people I know and I want to gossip about their divorce. Like that's how I, that's the energy that I have after watching this movie. I feel like he probably recognized that and that's why it is a good film because he knew what he was having and wants to put that up forefront. And he does put that up forefront literally in a very amazing opening to the film, which is them reading about their feelings oh, so for good. each other so in a good. thing. And that is just works on so many great levels as, uh, first of all, it just gives us so much information about the characters. It gives us so much information yeah. about how these characters like very really feel about the, the other characters. It also shows a bunch of uh, awesome, cool scenes. Uh, like I was from right on the back when they showed Charlie, the Adam Driver character, uh, they were talking about him and uh, that he eats like he's trying to like... Uh, <laughs> He's never going to eat again. Like he just shoves a whole piece of pizza in his mouth. I was like, so damn funny. it. I relate to that. <laughs> uh, it's also just really awesome uh, editing. Like I love uh, oh, how really like, how quick that was. Uh, and uh, what does Caleb do? He shouts out the editor. Jennifer Lame. Uh, Frances Haas, I think, one of the better edited movies of the decade. She edited that in a lot of Baumbach's other recent uh, output. Uh, she did Hereditary as well. Mm. Uh, and also... Uh, was on the department for uh, Midsummer, but she's also doing the next uh, Nolan movie. She's going from this screwball divorce from Noah Baumbach to a Christopher Nolan movie, which we don't know what that movie's about yet, Tenant. Oh, um, yeah, okay. But yeah, she's an editor to watch. She's a uh, And just to talk about that, talent. I obviously cannot match your level of knowledge and enthusiasm <laughs> about film editing, which is longstanding. Long-time <laughs> listeners will know Caleb is an obsessive follower of film editors, and I don't, I cannot hang. I cannot even come <laughs> close cool. to hanging to talk about that. Um, the only, this is like a very minor spoiler. But so, yeah, what you're talking about, these opening scenes where they're, they're like one of them is saying what I love about Charlie is and they're you know that's what they're doing that's those are the trailers and then what you find out after having watched these so many times in movie theaters as trailers it cuts to them and they're in couples therapy and these are something they've been forced to write about mm-hmm. the other one and Scarlett Johansson they're like okay well do you want to read them to each other like they haven't actually read them out loud yet and Scarlett goes I don't want to read this I'm not going to read it and then they don't they don't read them it's so sad yeah. I'm sorry I saw this a bit ago but I will have another opportunity to see this as it is on streaming on Netflix probably as you're hearing this yeah and I mean the other thing to say just about the movie is that yeah so like you're saying it's about the system of getting divorced in America in you know the current day and a lot a lot of it has to do with their child like almost all of it has to do with like taking care of the child and who wants what's best for the child and like Very cute what kind too. of person do you want the child to be? I mean, one of the things I think the film does really effectively, and this is speaking as like someone who's lived in Brooklyn for forever is um, it for 90% of the movie, it goes after Los Angeles so hard <laughs> it does. It, and it does it in the most subtle ways possible, but it's just like anytime the film comes back to New York, you can feel it relax and be like a lot cooler. And anytime they're in LA, it's like, it's like too bright and they're walking by some like fucking empty vacant lot. That's like, mm-hmm. it looks like shit or they're like trying to accomplish something and it's like impossible to accomplish. And like all the apartments look terrible and um, like all the, you know, everybody's dressed in like khaki shorts all the time and it just makes it look like tasteless, you know, and you know that Noah Obama <laughs> is doing that a hundred percent on purpose um, right down to, there's this really great thing I noticed where, and this kind of also gets to the pretensions that the Adam driver character has they're in the target and they're buying stuff like he's buying toys to have in the apartment 
for this like visit that the city, you know, the government is going to do. And he's picked up like a whole armful of these board games, like classic board games, you oh, know, yeah. Scrabble and stuff. And the kid runs up with a giant like purple Nerf gun that's like as tall as he is. And uh, and you're not even hearing what they're saying. And Adam Driver just like waves it, waves him off, like no, you can't have that. And then later on in the movie, he's visiting Los Angeles. He's visiting his wife, and they're all they all have giant purple guns. They're all shooting each other with, and they're all like running around this giant mansion, like shooting each other with toy guns. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, these fucking LA people, man. I can't fucking handle this i think we did say this the acting is the show i do believe uh it's a shoe and i will say i would say i'm 100 percent confident adam driver is going to get an oscar nomination adam driver has this. been in so many movies this year if he doesn't get an oscar yeah, nomination they need to reward him for just being in the for giving so much back to hollywood this year He's in the, uh, and he gets a lot to do in this movie he gets to show a, a pretty big range he gets to sing <laughs> and he sings so good yeah. it's amazing uh the best acting scene that he does and one of his signature scenes as an Adam Driver actor and uh, even Scarlett Johansson's a signature scene I think will be the their big fight scene oh, which yeah. uh Noah Baumbach uh Jennifer Lane Mahler very like tat-a-tat quick th- quick uh editing cuts as part of their recent uh over uh not this scene he lets it like build and build and it uh it starts out with um like them being nice and it turns into like it shows their compassion and how for each other and it leads into that resentment they have at each other and it leads to like a vitriol where they're actually saying specific things that turns physical not towards each other but uh he hits the wall at one point uh and you could see like the stress crawl over their faces uh, i thought it was like two actors i really enjoy scarlett johansson and adam driver some of like the be- their best acting i've ever seen them do i mean it was amazing to watch i mean it just felt extremely extremely real right yeah uh it was it was absolutely fantastic it's a very good movie uh Excited to see its Oscar prospects, even though I boycotted the Oscars this year. Wait, why is that? Because they suck. <laughs> it's just petulant. It's just petulant. It is petulant. If you give a award saying that Green Book is a best picture, I get petulant. I mean, okay, that's absolutely 100% <laughs> fair. Um, oh, my God. So one of my favorite things in the movie, this is, again, just a little thing that I noticed, which obviously is 100% on purpose. I'm not a genius. <laughs> but, like, um, in that fight they're having this big fight and they're saying all this stuff you know and it's it's like the kind of fight you have in a relationship where you're both a hundred percent saying things that you have been thinking for years but at the same time like you don't exactly mean them but you also do like pretty deeply but so one of the things is adam driver saying like oh you know I, did, I kind of got had to miss out on my 20s because I was so, I was this hot shit director and, you know, there's all sorts of things I could have been doing, but I spent it with you. He's like, you know, I, I was on the cover of Time Out New York. And <laughs> like, like earlier in the movie, you've seen in Scarlett Johansson's childhood bedroom where there's like eight national magazine covers that she's like, you know, she's on like Teen Vogue and like, you know, 17. <laughs> and it's like, he's, he's like losing his mind to have been on the cover of Time Out, you know, which is like kind of puts them in perspective because this is the thing is he's acting like he's above everything but at the same time he has that same drive to want success and to want recognition it's just that he wants it through a different avenue but yeah. he, he wants it equally badly as she wants it yeah, she's he, just fine with getting it from being in like a tv show where she holds a green screen baby you know uh, they start a theater together and he always is like it's about the theater and he hardly doesn't give he gives her credit but in a very like passive way for helping yeah, the right. theater he does a good job of not because he definitely, he definitely is taking. No, Bombac is definitely taking Charlie's side because he has to because that's his that's surrogate. Him. That's yeah, him. right. I mean, so much of the movie hinges on whether or not the uh, Scarlett Johansson character is a hack and a bad actress. Yeah. Like, like they argue in court about whether or not she's a shitty actress, which is like <laughs> kind of amazing. Yeah, you know? uh, yeah. He really hits on a raw nerve uh, of. He sh- does a great job with the filmmaking, but it boils down to like what these two people's feelings are for each other and they do have feelings for each other and that's what the point is that the feelings will always be there and i think that is extrapolated to about 90 to 100 times more in the movie we'll be covering oh now oh my god yes yes uh, definitely it's called scenes from a marriage from 1973 <laughs> In 1973, Ingmar Bergman was at a creative doldrum, more than 10 years removed from his 1950s breakthroughs and looking for another critical hit, 
after renewed interest in his work from 1966 persona. And where does this esteemed auteur turn to in this time? To television. Originally conceived and produced for Swedish TV, Scenes from a Marriage ran for six episodes in April and May 1973, exposing the often chilly aesthetic of the director to his largest audience ever. Uh, The TV series is a realistic portrayal of the machinations a couple experiences over 10 years. Resentment, sex, divorce, need, deception, abuse, the inherent loneliness of being, love, all of it. The extended length of the episodic form allowed Bergman to dig deeper into his characters and explore more realistic human expressions. The miniseries' success reached Bergman's global fan base, who was very mu- who very much demanded to see it. Broadcasters being broadcasters, most networks refused to air a nearly six-hour subtitled hours of dialogue on the <laughs> network. And Bergman being Bergman, he cut his own theatrical release. Uh, which is what we are view we have viewed and what we will be discussing today. Chris, let us discuss today. Yes. So wait, could you run through that series of events again? He made it for television without without a contract to make it for television. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought you said it, nobody would air it. Oh, um, no. The, um, it aired on Swedish TV. Swedish TV uh, basically funded this entire thing. Mm-hmm. He was looking for doing more low budget stuff, uh, like. He's a globally renowned uh, movie maker, so people wanted to see, like in New York, Woody Allen was like, oh, I need to see this, but didn't have access to oh, it. Oh, okay, okay. Because it was for Swedish TV, and then no one in America would air it on, because right. like, we're not like, going to air in world a Swedish, like no one's going to tune into this. <laughs> so he made his own, own theatrical cut. Uh, that's so weird. And I mean, the theatrical cut is like still extremely it's, long. It's uh, two hours, 50 minutes. Uh, takes out 102... 120 wow. minutes, two hours of uh, extra. I do have a little rundown of what taken out, but we could get into that later. Yeah, I mean, this movie, compared to Marriage Story, it's. I think I love Marriage Story a lot, and I, I'm not saying I like scenes from Marriage better necessarily, but it, it focuses in on such a different part of the experience of mm-hmm. being, being a person, being in a relationship, and breaking up your relationship that is completely ignored yeah. by Marriage Story. Like, the first thing that you notice after you start watching scenes from a marriage is that there is no sex in Marriage Story. Like, there is no... They don't seem to ever have had sex with each other, you know? There's, like, <laughs> one or two little lines here and there that reference, like, the existence of sex. The but, child. But, yeah, the, <laughs> the existence of the child. But, like, if it wasn't for that, you would be forgiven for thinking they had, like, never seen yeah, each other naked. very little sex talk. There's yeah. very little sex talk. They don't seem to have... They never, like, spend any time together. At some point, like, um, the Charlie character says, uh, oh, we hadn't had sex for a year, but then that's over, and nobody talks about it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas this movie, it's all about this, like, insane, you know... Yeah. It's all about sex and their relationship to sex and their they relationship to each other. They do say they haven't other. had sex in a while, and then it just has a long conversation about, yeah, I don't like sex, and then it's <laughs> exactly. him being, like, a bunch of, like... Uh, self-reflecting jokes about how they're not having sex. And then, yeah, it just goes through so, so much gamut. We're, uh, yeah, to, to compare this to Marriage Story, Marriage Story is a story of a marriage told through the end of that marriage. Right. Where scenes from a marriage, the Ingmar Bergman movie, is told over a 10-year span uh, going over uh, the uh, very much the end and also the divorce and also the uh, sticky aftermath 10 years later yeah. and all those feelings. It goes, it runs a gamut. But when we meet them, they're not only happy, they're like... <laughs> they're telling them themselves they're happy very much. They're telling themselves they're happy. They're being interviewed for a magazine about how happy they are. Yeah. Which, like, by the way, why was that <laughs> happening? Like, the first scene in the movie is they're being interviewed by a reporter and then they are about their relationship, and then there's a story in a magazine about the two of them. But, like, I don't know if I missed it, but did did they ever explain why that was happening? Uh, I think it's because of him being a professor. He was getting interviewed because he's a professor, and she is a divorce lawyer of all things. Right, I know, right. Um, But, yeah, they interviewed their uh, the family, and they talk about how uh, happy they are. But it's also mostly uh, Johan, the man, uh, talking. talking for Uh, And they do ask her about it at one point, but then they cut her off because the lighting and they wanted to take a picture. They want to take a picture. It's pretty funny. So this movie does start off as like, you see very much see the power dynamic. Yeah. You see he's in charge. And it's actually also reminded me of marriage story because it's like the, it seems the marriage was going on the man's terms and both men were very happy in the marriage and both women just feel kind of vaguely unfulfilled and want to get out of the marriage. Although that's not exactly how it, 
we'll have a marriage literally breaks up in uh, scenes from a marriage. It's different, but like that is the energy that is going mm-hmm. on in the relationship. Yeah. Uh, Johan starts out the more confident between the two, uh, but over the course of it's six scenes because it was six episodes, uh, we see him become more vulnerable as it goes on. As uh, Marianne seems uh, more under her husband's thumb, uh, more of a follower to him. Uh, but her arc is way more interesting. Uh, and I, uh, the actress' name is Liv Ullman. Uh She's in lots of Bergman's movies. They dated in the uh, mm-hmm. late, late '60s too, right before this movie. Um, but her arc is way more interesting as we see her become a strong person, uh, and she gets so much more to do and so much more. Uh, acting capital a acting (laughs) yeah exactly um it's like yeah i know i actually i wanted i started to say something and then i was like i should support caleb and go on what he was saying and then i was like i don't know i don't know how i don't know how i don't know how i I don't know how to add to that (laughs) i I have nothing to add to that i mean yeah you're right the way that the way that her character grows i think is very interesting um because we see her you know she's not she's like very unsure of herself she's kind of like infant a little bit um mm-hmm. and then over the course of the film she like you know comes a lot more into her own and you know the the guy's arc is you're right he starts off confident and becomes more vulnerable but it's, it's interesting because the movie is like more complicated and subtle than that like there's even in a scene where he's talking about how he has become more vulnerable like two seconds later he's being very defensive and mean mm-hmm. because it's like there's still certain things that set him off and that he's very brittle about and can't let go of um, so it's like very fascinating and it, it captures like you were talking about it in marriage story, the way that when you're w- with someone, something nice can turn into something kind of weird. And then something like actively hostile, like very seamlessly, like that's the, one of the scenes towards the end of the movie where it starts with them having sex and ends with them, like him kicking her in the face. Oh yeah. You um, know, and it seems it's very natural the yeah. way that it happens. The evolution makes sense. Yeah. You know? I, I would say that of, uh, this, all the scenes and he calls each, uh, part of this movie, a scene Bergman does, uh, is scene five of six. I would say that was my favorite uh, because, uh, one, it has the the, uh, the best shot when she uh, seduces him and then it's her on top and she puts all both of their hands over her face, which I'm doing right now and that's why my voice is muffled. Uh, that's a very cool <laughs> shot he has. Uh, and it also has him laying on her laying on her and they just show their faces another really cool shot yeah yeah uh but then yeah uh, very very bergman-esque you know (laughs) just the two faces it's very persona right uh and then uh as she's getting him to sign the papers uh like he she he's hesitant and he she calls it out a little bit and it turns into this huge fight uh, of just like the resentment and just like venom dripping on each other and then it's very intense gets so intense that when it does finally turn to violence uh, it's just like, holy shit. Uh, it it's, arises naturally. And it is the man who hits her. And it's just like how much you hate this guy already. Like you hate him even more. And it's so funny because like obviously Liv Ullman is so beautiful. And uh, she has a certain like vulnerability and intelligence throughout the whole movie. You know, and it's sort of like she's more aware of, you know, the life and their situation than the partner. But also I found the man, the actor playing the husband, like... Uh, very hard to look at. Like I did not think he was. I thought he was very, very unattractive. Yeah, he's a kind of he's a kind of seventies. Like he's like portly and kind of like pudgy, and he's got this like really gross beard and the uh, you know this weird like, scraggly weird curly sc- hair and weird scraggly curly hair. And he does spends a lot of time talking about like how smart he is and how great he is in very bed. smug. Yeah, and I'm like, this is like the fucking worst guy mm-hmm. in the world. Like uh, I really they did do not show like his him. butt at one 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 point. Oh, point yeah. and I was like, ooh, that's an ugly butt. Uh, and yeah. um, he does get a haircut, and it's like, yeah, that haircut does not work for him. Oh, I thought, I thought he looked better with the haircut. I thought he looked better with the haircut. Uh, I think if anything, would have, it's like, uh, was it lipstick on a pig? Um, <laughs> exactly. And I I mean, I actually am, I guess because it was a TV show, I kept expecting there to be like full frontal nudity or something in this movie. It seems like the kind of movie where there would be. It's a European TV show, yeah. But there was not. Swedish there was theme. none. There was none. Um, no, there wasn't. Yeah. Um, I'll speak about two. It's a TV show. Uh, yeah, two... Each episode is like 50 minutes long, so he had to cut out 120, like two hours to make this a theatrical release. Uh, the, there's some big things that were cut, and uh, looking into it and reading about it, uh, I have not seen the TV show. I would like to. It's also on Criterion. It's also on Criterion, uh, but it's like, yeah, six hours. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> no offense, They, they do recommend you watch one a night because it is a lot to take in. Yeah. Um, but in the, uh, it all is... In service of the editing, he edited himself of focusing more on the two characters. Uh, like, 
they talk about their kids. They don't show any of the kids in the theatrical. The kids race. are the kids Zero. never appear. They um, never appear. But yeah. in the in the first episode, they appeared in the. It's a family portrait they're taking, but he consciously cut them out to focus more on the two. Uh, and also in the first ep, uh, episode, scene one, uh, she gets an abortion. Oh, uh, really? She doesn't want to, but he kind of forces her to. So it's like. That's a very heavy oh, thing. Oh, wow. It's probably, uh, I'm, that's why I'm more interested to see the TV show because I bet you he handles that very well. Uh, and then uh, another big cut was in the very last one. Uh, so the last scene, scene six, is like uh, 10 years later. Uh, and they're like still like sneaking off because they still have like these weird planted ceilings. This is after scene five, which we just talked about where he hits her. Yeah, so right. like and 10 they years. They finalize their divorce. Yeah. And yeah it's, it seems like. Definitely done, a hundred percent. But no, they go to their old cabin, which sim scenes take place, and then like we can't be here. This has too many weird memories. So they go to their friend's cabin, which mm-hmm. is they end up cleaning. But apparently, like the what we're led to understand is that despite having broken up and both being married to other people, they like meet up every yeah. once a year, once a while yeah, once to just while, have yeah. sex and like hang out, check and in talk. with the yeah, check in and talk. I mean, it is so weird. So there's a whole dimension to this movie we haven't gotten into yet. Which well, let me I... say, before uh, let me say the scene that was oh, cut yeah. from no, uh, episode six uh, is uh, she has a conversation where we actually meet her mother who has a big uh, role off camera off screen role early oh, in the yeah. movie. She actually sits down and talks with him, and she realizes that wait, her mother went through this exact same thing. <laughs> so yeah, he just did his cuts to service the two leads to make sure like hey, we're focusing on him uh, in a lot of the more. Uh, yeah, there's no action in this movie. Maybe the most action we get outside of uh, the abuse, very dialogue heavy, is uh, them eating or uh, cars being driven. <laughs> right, there's like a dinner party scene with some friends of theirs, which is like the oh, yeah. first or second that's in scene. The, that's in the first scene, yeah. Yeah, where it's like their friends are being very it's insane. very uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Yeah, just having like a huge drunken fight with each other. And I mean, that's kind of action. Like that was action-y, yeah. you know? Um, so what I was going to say before is like there's a whole like very... Bergman Swedish dimension to this movie because if we're saying it's very dialogue heavy I mean the other way to put it is that you know it's because with all due respect to Ingmar Bergman as a director like this is a 1970s TV show it's not it's, I would say it is very indifferently shot like it's just kind of like shot reverse shot the entire time that is oh, yeah. all that's happening in the whole thing and the lighting is very flat you know it's all like these weird interiors yeah you know? a lot a lot of close-ups no not camera doesn't really move too much. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like a fucking episode of Rockford Files yeah, or something, uh, you know? All like... the, uh, uh, if you think of uh, other Bergman films, Seventh Seal, uh, Wild Strawberries, uh, this is all set indoors, too, the yeah. uh, scenes for marriage, uh, which is, again, he uh, was coming, he was trying to look for a hit. He had got to do this for super cheap. Swedish TV played for half of it, uh, and it, it wasn't that expensive to begin with. So he, I don't know how much money he made, but he probably, made so much bank off of it <laughs> or at least it just was able to get it done you yeah. know to the exact way he wanted to get it's it done. it's a very documentary feel to uh this movie not in the sense i mean it feels like a soap opera to me it doesn't feel like a documentary it feels, it feels like... like a documentary in the sense that uh it's very real but also in the sense that how ch- uh, cheaply it's done <laughs> and like how quickly it is but it is a very real raw feeling but so i was gonna say given the that the visual element of the movie is like non-existent basically Really, what you're watching is three hours of people talking about what is love, you know, and that's like baby don't it's hurt like me. Extremely long, you know, scenes of these two people trying to figure out what it means to be a person and what it means to be in love with another person, and just like you're just listening to hours and hours of people talking about this. Um, so it's really interesting, and I mean, of course, that is that is what the movie is about in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. and it, it it has a very interesting, you know. Because these people, these two characters seem to be completely in love with each other throughout the entire movie and like deeply, deeply in love with each other. Like I had certain moments where I was like, you know, you just kind of think like, why are they getting divorced? Like what is, what is happening? Like they, every time they meet, they are like deliriously in love and then they have a huge, huge fight, which is also, you cannot have a fight like that if you're not in love mm-hmm. with someone. If you're not in love with them, you just like leave the room and it's over. Uh, you know, but they're like obsessed with each other. But they and they don't seem to be the kind of couple who's obsessed with each other and it's ruining each other's lives. No. They have a very happy, productive life uh, together. Well, let's talk about scene three. Scene three is where uh, shit hits the fan scene. Uh, so in scene two, another thing that gets cut out from the theatrical is a hint towards uh, th- that uh, Johan might be doing something. He shouldn't be doing. I mean, you could yeah. it's, you could pick up on it, but on scene three, easily. it becomes very much the uh, contact. He uh, comes in there at like their cottage home, uh, and he basically tells her, "I've met someone. Her name's scene's called Paula. Uh, 
Each scene has its own title. This one's called Paula. They're great titles, by the way, every scene. They're like sweeping it under the rug. Yeah, the art of sweeping it under the rug. Yeah. Um, scene three, Paula. He tells her about Paula, uh, and she breaks down. She basically says, like, tries to, like, why is this happening to me? And just, like, Bergman does not, just piles it on. Uh, like, he says he's leaving, after she, like, is destroyed, he says, I'm leaving for Paris tomorrow. And she's destroyed, and she's like, "Can I pack for you? Can I do something for you? <laughs> Can I do this for you? Can I make you That's a sandwich?" So sad. It's so sad. And then, uh, after he leaves, she, um, she's broken down, and she's calling her friends for help, and all her friends know about it already. It's so fucking sad. Oh it is God. a fucking raw nerve. And scene three is, uh, from what I've read, is the only one he did the minimalist changes to from uh, from uh, TV to movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he knew, like, oh, this is uh, this is the Band-Aid coming off. This is the uh, raw nerve I'm sticking out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so hard to watch, but that's where, uh, it, it, again, we, we both watched this uh, late at night. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, what, three-hour-long Swedish yeah. movie in black and white. Uh, and th- at this point, uh, I was like, kind of like, okay, I'm getting into it. But then th- scene three kind of woke me the fuck up, and I was like, holy shit. Uh, and I was talking about the scene in Marriage Story where they're fighting. This is a... Different type well, this of fight. Is different. That fucking... I mean, the scene five is like exactly yeah. the same scene from Marriage Story, Without like where sex, they have like a giant with more fight. sex, yeah, with more sex, right? Exactly. Um, yeah, it's funny you say that this scene woke you up. This is the scene I slept through <laughs> almost the entire scene. That's why I had nothing to add about that one. I was watching it very late at night. It actually took me four hours to watch this movie because I have a new baby and I had to keep stopping the movie to like stand up and walk around the house and like make the baby fall back asleep or like put on the record that puts the baby to sleep <laughs> and kind of dance around. Uh, so it, it was like a, a very trying experience, but it, it's a great movie. I really, really enjoyed watching it. And I do think the characters are like, there's so much more alive in a way than the people in marriage story. They felt so much more oh, like more, connected yeah. to life and to each other. And I mean, I do think the movie is asking a lot more elemental questions than Marriage Story, which, as you said, it's basically about the process of going through a divorce in a very, like, straightforward way. Yeah. Whereas this movie, I thought, was a lot more about, like, what is love? Yeah. Like, can you be in a partnership with someone else? How big of a word else? love is? Uh, yeah. And what should you expect from someone else? I mean, yeah. are they being stupid to get divorced? Mm-hmm. Should they just, like... in As early as the first scene, the the, the wife is saying, like... Well, just go like find a mistress or something, and mm-hmm. it's like, should he have just done that? Just like had sex with Paula at work, and then just like not thought about it anymore? You uh, know, it's about human tension: how we are pulled, manipulated by people in our lives, and how we are aware or not aware of doing that to people in our own lives. Uh, it's also about people. The, as I say, people in our lives does include our exes. Uh, mm-hmm. How we still know our exes and how we still have those feelings of why we were together with those our exes in the first place, which is a very real and, like, dash of cold water to your face. Uh, how the, uh, And how we are now uh, are just, we are just more complex when, when we were younger, uh, but we still know the our exes. We still know people that we used to love. They're just And that was, like, a real part lives. of your life, yeah. you know, that existed uh, for many, many years. It's almost know? a love letter to, to exes in, in, a, in, in a way. In a way. I mean, in a way. And this kind of like way of having an ex where you have this kind of maintain this kind of relationship over time, which is very unusual, mm-hmm. I would say, especially uh, the idea that you're going to like have sex with them every few months sure. like, and you're cheating on your your partner, your current husband or wife with your ex husband <laughs> or wife, which is like very interesting. But they make it seem extremely natural. And it's like very European. You know, they're like sure. in these cabins wearing uh, like huge collars and having sex with each other on the floor. There's a myth. Uh, that I read about this movie, that after this it aired in Sweden, uh, the divorce rate jumped by 70%. <laughs> uh, people choose to believe that. Uh, I think it's been debunked, but it's a, it's this movie warrant, because it aired on public Swedish TV, right. uh, and it, uh, the audience was mostly women at the time. Uh, th- yeah, and it, w- it was have something to do with uh, women's liberation, which was coming around true, at yeah. the time. And uh, she is a very much uh, a woman's, a very liberal woman character. A very cool, again, we love her arc in this movie. Um, um, you know, can I just say, speaking of all that, speaking of the mer- the divorce rate jumping by 70%, I have been astounded and delighted that we got through this entire episode without 
talking about the fact that you and I are both married and like, <laughs> like did like, you know, in a way it's like kind of this difficult to watch like, you oh, know, yes. five hours of stuff about divorce. I do. I do. Have and not to th- think about your own life. And I mm-hmm. was kind of worried we had set ourselves a terrible trap. Oh, uh, where we we're going to have to talk in depth about agreed. our own relationships, but uh, we totally skirted the issue. Yeah. <laughs> the art of sweeping it under the rug. Uh, I will say nice. Uh, I will say, uh, uh, I was going to watch this with Meredith, uh, but she did not want to watch, uh, three-hour-long black-and-white movie and she, where she had to read. Um, it's in uh, color. It's not in black-and-white. I thought it was black-and-white. Anyway. Anyway, uh, she, I didn't watch this with her, uh, but during the middle of it, I stopped and checked in with her to go see what's up. Uh, and she was actually uh, listening to uh, ABC podcast. She was listening to our podcast. Oh, that's really sweet. <laughs> I was like, it was a thing where I was like, checking in just because like, oh, man, this movie's so much to take in. I need to like... Yeah, you want to stand up and be like, "Hey, we're we're in love. Yeah. Like, 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 love exists, right? Like, yeah, we're I'm, in I'm love." I'm glad I didn't watch it with her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like it's like a lot. To, it is like it, you a, said, it's a lot to take in. It's a lot to take in. Yeah, because yeah, you but could definitely watch this movie and have very a panic human, about truthful, your own life. Yeah. You know, you should. It's a that's why it's a fucking great movie. I mean, less Mar- marriage story is a lot, lot less like that. Because they don't, I mean, they talk about the reasons they break up, but they, it's almost like they talk about them so they don't have to talk about mm-hmm. them again. Like, the whole movie isn't about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Marriage Story is uh, slight in a way, and it is probably due to the uh, scope of both movies where one right. is just about the divorce, Marriage Story, and the other one is 10 years in May. And, you know, like, not to, now I'm kind of synthesizing them, but, like, one thing I thought was really interesting about Marriage Story, and we're talking about how, I, I was talking about how it would, it's like a sexless movie, essentially, Um something that happens throughout scenes from a marriage is they're meeting other people and they're talking to each other about other people that they've met. And it's like, you know, they seem to be living people who are continuing to have other romantic lives. Noah Baumbach met Greta Gerwig like one year after his divorce started. And so they were going out the entire time that he was finalizing the divorce. So it seems very weird to me that she is completely left out of it to like, when you have like, when you have somebody you meet that has such a profound impact on your life and that's tied up with your divorce, it seems like almost dishonest to leave that out because obviously that's going to be a huge factor sure. in what's going there on, was, especially uh, because she was living in New York. So like, that's another huge reason he wanted to stay in sure. New York. I'm sure there was someone on Charlie's team that he was, uh, sleeping with. Yeah, she's like the stage manager. Yeah. Like I was like, is the stage manager Greta Gerwig? Like I would, you know? I would assume like as a person who he worked with, you could track it, the metaphor there. Right, right, right. But it, he, but the way he behaves towards her is he's like, she's like being like, hey, we should do more kissing. And he's like, not now, baby. Man. I'm doing serious divorce stuff. More art of sweeping it under the rug. Yeah, I know, right. So Caleb, like, speaking of sweeping it under the rug, let's say that your wife found out you had seen both of these movies <laughs> and she was so angry at you and she was going to divorce you if you didn't just pick one of oh, these two damn. movies. Uh, I love both these movies. This is one of the harder, actually best choices we've had. But bang, uh, I will go with, I loved Ingmar Bergman. I, I need to get more into his movie, but I'm going to go with Noah Baumbach's Marriage Story. And with the caveat being that I saw the theatrical version of Scenes right. from Marriage. Right. And it's designed as a TV show. So as movies, I'm going to go with Marriage Story, but probably, and I will never check in with you, with my audience about this again, but <laughs> see me in real life uh, after I watch... The TV show, Scene from Marriage, right. I, I imagine that's going to be better than the, the, both of these. Right. And, you know, I have seen a couple of weird European movies where they started off as TV shows and became movies. Like, the number one one I'm thinking of is Jackal, that French TV show from the early 2000s. Do you know oh, this? No, About Carlos the Jackal, the terrorist? I didn't know. The terrorist, quote-unquote, or is he a freedom fighter? But it was both a French television show and the theatrical cut. And the TV show was much, much better. I watched the TV show, and then I tried to watch the movie version, and I was like, this is, like, really stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I'm sure it's on a different scale, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if you're right that you come away with a much deeper understanding and a more enjoyable experience. For my own self, I'm also going to have to go with Marriage Story. I mean, it's just... The thing I didn't say earlier was that, like, Noah Baumbach... And I think we've talked about this before when we've talked about Noah Baumbach, but, like... I just so strongly identify with his world that he comes mm-hmm. from and that he lives in and like everything about him. Like he is living the exact same kind of Brooklyn life that you or I are living, except that he's like much, much richer and creatively successful. But like, other than that, it's like very <laughs> similar, you know, we like, like the same things about New York and we, and we both came from outside and moved here and found ways of making ourselves New Yorkers in exactly the same place at exactly the same time. And so it's like, I just feel so connected. It just was like speaking to me on such a level, uh, that movie. So uh, like, yeah, I, I have to go with Marriage Story. Uh, 
ABC bonus, uh, actually best choice of a Noah Baumbach movie. I said that this was my favorite Noah Baumbach movie. Would you go as that I, far? I don't think it's my favorite Noah Baumbach movie. I, I honestly didn't love the way that it had, like, sometimes became a screwball comedy because I found it, I, I wanted to be feeling deep feelings and to be, like, emotionally devastated by this movie. But then, like, a good hour of it is, like, joke segments, you know? And I was like, I, you know, I'm not, like, wild about this. Um, and not that they're played like really over the top for comedy, but it's almost like they were written as over the top comedy and they're playing it as like and they were acted 70% out. Yeah. comedy. And you the know. actors, you know, this is why I like this one because the actors kind of peel that out. Yeah. And they brought like, they brought so much reality to it that it stops being funny, mm-hmm. which is something I've said before, you know. And I like the uh, company, the Sondheim uh, musical they both oh, sing. Oh, yeah, I know. That was really, <laughs> That was really the one good. they parodied uh, with co-op on yes. Documentary Now. <laughs> That's so good. It's so good. What is your... Uh, do you have a actually best choice Noah Baumbach movie? Well, you know, I actually haven't seen Meyerowitz stories. Um, oh, and I've I watched Francis. I mean, I love Francis Ha, but I I also found that so emotionally devastating, and like I felt like Very I identified yeah. with it so much that it was like been hard for me to rewatch. You know, I honestly don't know. I honestly I <laughs> like them all. I like them all, Caleb. I can't sure, pick. Sure, you know? sure, 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 sure. I mean, Squid and the Whale is great. Kicking and Screaming is amazing. I've seen that like a I think thousand Wild times. Young is very underrated. Can I just say, which is also has Adam Driver. Before we finish, speaking of Adam Driver, like. He has this thing where older men love him and cast him as in parts that he's like kind of too young for. Like I saw him on Broadway this year at in this play Burn sure, This sure. with Carrie Russell. Russell. It was he was way too young for this part. Like <laughs> way way too young. Yeah, totally he's, uh, the wrong energy. In real life, he's thirty three, I believe. Yeah, well, I think he's thirty five. He's thirty five yeah. now. And uh, in this movie, like so, this happened to Noah Baumbach when he was like forty one to forty four. So, like, not that different, but honestly, as somebody who's 37, I'll say I feel very different than I felt when I was 35, and I can't imagine being in my early 40s. Like, there's just kind of, there's moments where Adam Driver seems, like, extremely baby-faced, where he's some, he's going through these things, and I, I occasionally found myself wishing I was seeing an actor who looked like he had been around the block a little bit more and looked a little more beaten down by life. But uh, at the same time, he's such a he's such a good actor. I'm not going to say I wish he wasn't in the movie. He's fantastic. <laughs> he's so fucking good. That's why he gets all these parts, dude. He's like the fucking best. He's so good. We love you, Adam. I love you, Adam. Hang out. Uh, anyway, so that's the show for this week, kids. Uh, thanks so much for hanging out. We'll be back again. Uh-huh. We'll, we'll have more movies. Back. It'll be we'll totally cool. We can hang cool. out. We can get some popcorn. Do you want to get popcorn? We can get popcorn. We could uh, get regular corn, too. And we could share a soda. We can listen to the band corn. Let's listen to the band corn and share a soda. Black freak on a leash. Okay, that's it. Goodbye. Bye. I love you. I said Beck Britton. Beck Britton is a very famous lighting designer <laughs> that I used to know in the like from the time I worked in the high design. There's world. only so many Becks. Beck Britton, she does none of them are scientologists. that thing where a light is, looks like a kind of a crazy bunch of tubes that have lights coming out of them. Like that was her oh. idea. Uh, so every one of those that you see is either hers or a copy of her. Uh, she's doing great. We used to be in an archery an archery league together. Not that she knows who I am, but we have talked a few times. Maybe she'd recognize your archery form. I, maybe it's possible.